Welcome back to Fast Forward. If you listen regularly to the show, I have an exciting update. A few weeks ago, I shared how stressed I was about convincing from a new house, and I was really at my wit's end. But yesterday, it finally completed. Yay! My first home that I've bought on my own, and I am so, so excited. I've already sorted the council tax, the bins, the TV license. I've ordered the sofa, and I'm getting stuck into painting three rooms tonight after the paint delivery arrived this afternoon, all before the carpet fitters arrive on Saturday. Finding painters and carpet fitters and everything else I need for the house on my own, but stuff that I'm really not that familiar with. Couldn't really be easier these days. We just have to, we just have to Google it, right? But how do businesses make sure that they are at the top of the page and not being missed by the consumers, people like me? So unless you've been living on Mars, you will, as a business, undoubtedly know about the importance of SEO or search engine optimization, which helps propel your business and your website up the ranks in Google. Of course, the higher you rank, the greater your chances are of bringing more qualified potential customers to your site, which in turn increases your conversion rates. But are you getting it right? And is there anything that you can do better to improve your web presence? So we've brought someone in today who's going to talk us through that and things that we can look at. Nigel Carr is partner at Carousel Projects, which specialises in the very topic we're here to talk about, SEO. Welcome, Nigel. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. So I've been in some of your workshops and uh, continue to be uh, amazed and enthralled by the, the content that you deliver. Um, and that's what you're doing now, and we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah. I know that you've had an eclectic uh, career, and um, that has all kind of come together and c- accumulated into the expertise that you now offer. Yeah. So tell us a bit about you and um, how you've come to doing what you're doing today. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's Where did lo- it all start? <laughs> well, it's a long story and it goes back a few years. I mean, um, I always had a passion for shoes, would you believe? Um, and so I, soon after getting married, I started in the shoe business um, and eventually became a shoe buyer at Barrett's, Barrett Shoes over in Bradford. And mm-hmm. I did that for sort of 10 years. Um, I then left and started importing shoes, um, setting up an import business, uh, importing shoes from Italy, uh, Portugal, Uh, for brands like Ben Sherman. Um, And then I started another business in 2000, importing shoes from the Far East. And I did that for sort of six or seven years. But at the same time, my interest in the internet really started to grow. And in 1999, um, I saw that a particular domain name called shoes.co.uk was available and I went and bought it. Uh, it was right at the beginning of the internet, right? Well, it was at the beginning yeah. of the internet in the UK. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but obviously in America, it sort of started in, in 94, 95, while I was still at Barrett's. Um, so I, I bought this domain name and I bought another one, footwear.co.uk, with the intention of creating a kind of database of UK shoe shops. Um, and we launched... Um, Shoes. It's crazy when you think about it. It's ridiculous. It? That's what we were, <laughs> this is what we'll use the internet for. We'll create a database. Yeah, a of physical shoe, shoe shop. And people can go out and they can yeah. find a shoe shop in their local area, which, in fact, you know, um, companies like Foursquare sort of yeah. wiggled the knife a little bit further a few years ago. Um, and we created this huge database of six and a half, I think it was six and a half thousand shoe shops, some of whom, few, paid <laughs> to be in the database. And at the same time, we created footwear.co.uk, which was a database of manufacturers and brands. Linking the two together, we thought we'd have this awesome business. 
Uh, we I think they call that a marketplace now. Well, kind of, yeah. It was kind of, but it was kind of, where can I find Prada in Preston? Yeah. Oh, look, there's a shop down the road that sells Prada in I Preston. I didn't know that. And you know what? They haven't even got a web presence, but I'll go and visit them. So it was more of a database of shoe shops. And the first website, um, it was launched in January 2000. It cost, um, I think it was £46,000 to build this website in ASPX, and which was the programming sort of platform language at the time. Um, and it was an unmitigated disaster <laughs> <laughs> because it just didn't work. But it kind of sparked my interest or re-sparked my interest in computers and the internet. And if you went back sort of 10 years before that, you'd find me sitting on the living room floor typing in machine code into my ZX Spectrum uh, and creating computer games from magazines. Mm-hmm. So I've, I always had that sort of interest bubbling under. Fast forward a few years um, and uh, we'd taken the original idea down because it was clearly not going to work. We still had the domain name issues.co.uk and we turned it into an affiliate website. So we would list um, anywhere that sold shoes on the internet and um, we would put the links on there and we would put affiliate links on there. And if you know anything about affiliate networks, it means that if somebody came to our website, clicked the button to go through to, say, shoeshop.com or whatever the website was at the time, then we would get a small amount of commission. And so I quickly learned that SEO, affiliate marketing, Uh, And the various other techniques like pay-per-click were really, really important to attract people to your website. And at one point, we had sort of six to 10,000 people going on our website per day, and we built up quite a stash of money. Um, And we did that for sort of two or three years. And then 2006, we took the idea even further and launched our own uh, online shoe shop. And I did that for a good 10 years before I realized that I couldn't compete with Amazon, and I sold it in 2016 and closed the business. And then uh, just prior to that, launched Carousel Projects, having having employed a series of pay-per-click companies to come and help mm-hmm. me, a series of SEO companies to come and help me, all of whom I fired one after the other when I realised they were just shocking. They didn't know any more than you they, just, well, they didn't know anything. I mean, I knew more <laughs> than them. I just didn't, I didn't have the time to do it. Yeah. I knew about pay-per-click. But if if you know anything about running your own business, you've got, I had lots of people running mm-hmm. around working for me, a warehouse to run. I had to buy the shoes. I had a buyer, which helped. Um, but I'd found that I just couldn't run the business and do all of these um, extras. As well. As well. Yeah, yeah. To, to bring people to the website is an art. I learned it and then I employed somebody to try and do it. And, they, and one of them actually turned around to me and it was a pay-per-click company. And they said, Nigel, we can't do it any better than you. I said, I don't, I don't want you to, well, I want you to do it as good as me, but I don't want to be doing it. I yeah. want it taking off my hands. Yeah. And they refused to do it <laughs> oh. <laughs> because they knew that if they took it off me and this it sounds conceited, perform. they wouldn't perform and therefore I would be, you know, gunning for them. Yeah. And it was the same with... And when s- they mess up your campaigns, it's difficult, isn't it, to correct that? You have to nearly strip it all back and start again. And I frequently had that. I, I had one company who took on um, my campaigns and just by turning off one of the brands that I was bidding on, which was Rockport Shoes, it cost me £1,000 in one day. And I was paying them that a month to look after it. Of mm. course, it was far more important to me than it was to them. Yeah. And it's the old thing of, of sort of uh, selling. Oh, sorry, I turned that off. Well, it's like selling yeah. a house. If yeah. you're selling a house for 200000 and they're getting, say, 5%, yeah. then they're, they're, there's no incentive to get 210000 because 5% of 10000 is nothing. Yeah. And so they just want the sale. And in the same way, these 
SEO companies and PPC companies sort of took it so far, but if they made a mistake, it was, yeah. oh, not even a sorry. Just, yeah. oh, that's what happens. Yeah. And so I wasn't prepared to accept that. Of course, in the last sort of three to five years of shoes.co.uk, I learned everything I possibly could about search engine optimization. And I made damn sure that we were ahead of everybody else, despite the fact we couldn't compete and it had to go. Yeah. And it really did have to go. It served another purpose. It served it another purpose because I could springboard and all of that experience going back to 1999 and even before then, all of that experience I could bring to the fore and say, I know about this now. Mm -hmm. And I actually know more than anybody, well, not everybody else, but yeah. everybody I know. I know it more than everybody I know about search engine optimization, And that's where I stood in 2016 and just springboarded into Carousel and started to get my first clients. And Perfect. now it, we're very, very busy. <laughs> Which is great. And so we're very grateful for you sparing the time to come and talk uh, this through with us today. Um, so before we get into the whole, you know, dynamics of search engine optimization, it'd probably be very wise to talk about ranking factors and explaining a little bit about what they are and what are they in 2019? Because I know that they change frequently. And also, as as a company, what's your chances? Like, really, what's your chances of getting into the top 10 or at least getting above the cut? Your chances are very, very slim if you just launch a website. Um, Ahrefs did a, a survey recently that showed that only 5.7% uh, of websites actually achieve a top 10 position after a year uh, after launching a new website. It's very, very difficult. The main problem is that websites are built by developers and developers don't necessarily understand SEO. And I've, I said this in the um, presentation that I did for you a few weeks ago, that a web developer will give you a great looking website. Their designers will make it look beautiful. There'll be fantastic images. Mm -hmm. um, but that doesn't mean that you're going to get in Google with it or any other search engine. It's almost unfair to expect them to have that extra layer of expertise because it sounds like it's a completely different specialism. It is a completely different specialism. The problem is that most web developers um, will arbitra arbitrarily put SEO on their website and almost give the impression that you will get an SEO with it optimized website mm. and you won't they'll know a little bit about seo they'll know how to organize the hierarchy of the website um the architecture if you like you know from the home page through the categories the subcategories mm -hmm. and the blog etc etc they'll have some idea of how to organize the website they'll have some idea of how to have faceted navigation so you can find pages um, from different parts of the menu or different menus um but they might actually have um, one single page with two different URLs because it can be found from two different directions. They might not understand what canonicalization is to present to Google one version of that. Okay, page. so I don't understand. Mm. I can't, I'm not even sure I can say the word. Canonicalization. Canonical. Canonical. Canonical organization. Canon canonicalization. And canonicalization. Yeah. And so there are various tips and tricks and ways um, of presenting the pages to Google to ensure that Google only indexes one page. And when there is one page, that one page has one theme. And the common misconception is, for example, if you're selling um, 
fire lighters. I don't know. I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> Let's say you've got a website selling fire You're lighters. You're looking around a tech company <laughs> and the first thing you thought of was fire lighters. Thought of fire lighters is my random junk brain. Um, uh, and let's say you're, sell, you're selling fire lighters and few of you will know what fire lighters are, but they were used to light. Back in the old days. Fires in the old days. Yeah. Um, then, and you put that term on every single page and make the whole website about fire lighters and the homepage repeats it 15 times and then every single other page on the website says the same term. You're not going to rank. You're not going to rank because it's on every single page. And every single page should have a single theme. And if you cross over, then you cannibalize the pages that you want to rank with the other pages by so, spreading the keywords everywhere. For example, let's take your firelighter example. Well, let's move away from firelighters maybe. No, so. let's stay with oh, we it. Like I like it. it. I like it. Um, so I, I am a fire... Uh, stove slash fireplace company and firelighters are one of the things that I sell. So okay. I'll have a page on firelighters. Yeah. But my next page I want to be about stoves. Yes. So if that page is all just full of stove, stove, stoves and stoving and whatever yeah. else, that's okay. That's absolutely fine as long as you don't repeat the word stove or stoves too frequently. Uh, we talk about primary keywords and secondary, secondary keywords. Uh, and the primary keyword for a page that is about stoves is stoves, okay? Yeah. Or, you know, a secondary keyword might be cookers or something like that yeah. that's related to stoves. Yeah. And so you can use those synonyms, if you like, which is two versions of the same thing, like bike and bicycle, mm -hmm. uh, stoves, cookers, cooking equipment. Yeah. Um, but if you start to repeat the word firelighters too frequently, then you're just going to um, dilute the impact of the firelighters page. So you okay. have to keep them separate. So um, on firelighters page, you get a firelighters and firelighting. Uh Post lighting fires. Um, um, what's another word for fire lighters? I don't <laughs> Matches. know. Kindling. <laughs> <laughs> We've probably not chosen yeah. a great uh, example, but um, I of think course, we're getting the point across. <clears throat> yeah, you can get fire lighters from the supermarket. You put them in, you light them. They're good for barbecues as well. You know, yeah. they accelerate the the burning process, and, yeah. and and that's the the thing. And that contextuality of writing accelerating the burning process lighting a fire uh, kindling and all of those words that relate to fire lighters is very very important to put on the page so without jumping forward too far the essence of great seo is one page one theme great content um, a, a web developer will not tell you to write 300 words of content on a single page mm -hmm. it's really really important because google needs to understand the page I've seen websites where the meta title, which is the title... We're going to explain that in a minute. We'll Google. explain that in a minute. Where the meta title, which is the title in the code of, of the page, um, they're all the same right across the website. And it might be, you know, Trisha's Firelighters, and that might be the title, the meta title of every page. And I've seen that, and it's a disaster. Because and what you're consequences does that have? Well, you're telling Google that the theme of that page... Is Trisha's firelighters. But it can be about stoves. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that where the meta title is repeated over and over again and it's simply the name of the company. Um, or it, I've, seen, I've seen websites where the meta title of a page is home. Okay. So Google's really going to understand that, isn't yeah. it? You know? Um, and that, that's these are the common mistakes that web developers make. And I'm not knocking web developers per se, because there are some really great companies out there producing some awesome websites. The problem is that your average web developer does not understand search engine optimization. They are two completely separate 
not mutually uh, exclusive, but separate. Um, Essential yeah. things to do. Yeah, things to do, yes. yes. So has that, has that covered ranking factors? Is it just a No, no, to... not really. I mean, the major, major ranking factors uh, are uh, the title of the page, the content of the page. The images on the page need to have alternative text tags. So if you go into an image and you go into the media section, each image can have a name. And if there is a link on the page that is the image, then Google will use that um, alternative text as the anchor text, which is the link between two pages. So if you're using an image as a link between two pages, Google will use that alternative text, commonly known as an alt tag, yeah. Um, to understand the destination of where that uh, link is going to. Mm-hmm. So the title, the content, the written content is so, so important, as we've kind of covered a little bit already. The uh, synonyms, the semantics, the contextuality of the page. So the synonyms are bike, bicycles, the semantics, are the way you actually formulate the words that surround the term bike or bicycle with. You know, the brands like Rally and Claude Butler and handlebars and spokes and wheels and chains, all of those sort of uh, secondary keywords, or if you put them within the text, are often termed baby anchor text. They support the main keywords. Mm -hmm. And the full fleshed out 300 word um, contextuality of the page is extremely important. And anybody that is a, a writer or understands how to write will understand how they can weave that content for the user and not for Google. Mm -hmm. So you have to be very, very careful not to repeat yourself um, and overuse the keywords called keyword stuffing. Yeah. Um, And then probably the next one is speed, website speed. As of July, August 2018, uh, Google started to use speed as a ranking factor, whereas before it was only a tiny element. I can't tell you the percentage that it actually contributes to, Mm -hmm. but it's a fairly decent percentage now of ranking is governed by the speed, the load speed of a page. So depending on how quickly that page appears to you as a user. Absolutely. Which obviously we've all sat there and watched a little bit the way the wee thing spin and you're waiting for something and then you bounce off and go somewhere else. There's a common metric that um, 11% of users to a retail website will leave a page um, for every second it takes to load. Right, okay. 11%. It's a lot. Yeah. So, and you know that if you go well, to a page... five seconds is... You know, you've lost half your visitors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, on a yeah. on a mobile, you know, particularly on a mobile, if you're sitting there and you're mm-hmm. sort of half watching TV and half flicking through a, a website and you're looking for settees or sofas, yeah. for example, you're going to look on it and you go, oh, wait, oh, gone. Yeah. <laughs> next one. Yeah. Next one. Because we're not that invested in quite a lot of purchases that no. we make now. No. It's very much about a convenience. Absolutely right. And I was talking to a, a company that sells kitchens this morning. I won't uh, name them, but... Slightly different. That is something it, people would It care. is. And the, and, and, and the suggestion was that people are slightly more invested in the kitchen, particularly if they've seen it on the high street, they've walked past the shop, they know the name of it, and then they've searched for it, they might cut you some slack and allow the page to load. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're searching for a pair of shoes or a settee or a bed yeah. or... Blah, Anything, you TV, know. TV, aerial cables, that's what I was looking for this morning. Amazon. Yeah. Prime. Boom. Yeah, there eBay, tomorrow. Done. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, Don't need so, to give any thought to it. Absolutely. So th- those are the major ones. The one theme, one page, one page, one theme, the title, the image, the content. Really, really important. Things like H1 tags to support the content. These are little header tags. Yeah. So if you're heading up a block of text, 
um, you'll use an H2. If you're heading up the page, you use an H1. So that combination of on-page elements and speed, really, really important. Hosting as well, you know. I see a lot of websites that load very slowly because of either very large images or they're on a shared server. And if they're on a shared server, then there are probably a thousand other websites sharing the server and that's why the website's slow. There are other ranking factors like time on page, which we call dwell time, uh, bounce rate. So if And Google measures those. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. So I know I can see those on our Google Analytics and it's important to me. Yeah. But Google also uses that data. Google will use that. It depends on the search term. If you if you're searching for an article on Facebook's new cryptocurrency, for example, and you go to a page, you're really wanting to read what Facebook's up to. Mm -hmm. And therefore, Google will expect you to find some content that you're going to read. Mm -hmm. If you only spend two seconds on that page, then your intent, your reason for being there is not being fulfilled. Okay. And therefore, the dwell time, the time on the page will be low and the bounce rate will be high because you'll bounce off the page and you may go and search for something more appropriate in, in Google's index. It's called pogo sticking. So if you go to a site and then bounce back off, a high bounce rate or high level of pogo sticking mm -hmm. is reveals the fact that those pages that are being visited are not fulfilling your uh, request, your desire, your need for information. So it has a negative impact then? It depends. If you're looking for or the longer. Well, if you're okay. looking for the temperature in Manchester and you go and you find it's 20 degrees and you mm -hmm. bounce straight off again, you've, you've got your information. And that's why I say it's down to the, what you're actually searching for. Mm -hmm. So if you're you're searching for the, the, the Manchester United result and you find yeah. it immediately and therefore the bounce rate is going to be like 100%. Yeah. The dwell time is going to be two seconds because you've got the information and gone. So it depends on the search term and the user intent as to whether dwell time and bounce rate are important to Google for ranking you. Yeah, I think I'd like... Uh be there on those days when we search for temperature in Manchester and it says it's 30 degrees. <laughs> 25 degrees, 30 <laughs> Amazing. degrees. I'm going to stay out here all day. Well, it's cloudy. I'm yeah. looking out here. It's very <laughs> cloudy today. Um, so, yeah, so those are just filling in the few uh, ranking mm. factors. There are other ranking factors, of course. There are ways that you can increase the dwell time on a website by introducing video. Yeah. Uh, in, in the uh, presentation I gave, I introduced um, Amazon Polly which is a way of translating the written word into an audio file, uh -huh. which can be played at the top of a page. And those tips and tricks, those hacks, they like to call them now, you can take those away and you can install those on your website and you can increase the dwell time. I think what, that, what you've touched on there very nicely, and it was a question that I had before we move on, is the alt text um, piece is not just used for um, Amazon Polly as well. Um, we had um, Sarah Brown Fraser in a few weeks ago and we were talking about inclusive web design and, you know, obviously not shutting down a potential part of your market for people who are visually impaired or have other, you know, variety of different disabilities. Absolutely. And um, that Amazon Polly is obviously one way to address some of that. And so is the alt text, isn't it, where you put the actual, so that yeah, a, because, a user can hear what the image yeah, is rather yeah, than every, see it. Uh, it's, it comes under the, the heading of accessibility. And, of course, every uh, website... Does Google rank on that? It has Well, it has a read view. And mm -hmm. the read view, obviously, is, is the written version of your website, which, of course, can be read out. Um, and, of course, all of those things, it's a very, very small part of 
uh, your traffic will be that kind of traffic. So I can't say for sure whether that increases rankability, but certainly having um, the audio file on there and having um, the alt text on there, of course, that's really, really important. And if it helps um, people with impaired vision, then that's great too, isn't it? Because it helps with accessibility. It's important to bring that up as well because few people realise that there is a reader view available uh, for a website. Are you saying right? reader view? Yeah, reader view. Okay. Yeah, you can click and you can actually just see the text as opposed to all of the images and everything else. So most websites, Google would give, um, most browsers will give a reader view so you could just read the content of the website. And really? it's, kind of, it's kind of how Google reads the site anyway. So if you flick to read a view and you see the text, just just the text of the website, yeah. without all the fancy images, it will show you the alt tags and everything else. Um, and how do you access that as a user? I think it's in a browser. You can just see at the top of, it just says read a view. Okay. Yeah. I'm totally going to look at that. Uh, maybe um, before we actually edit this together, let's check that it actually exists. <laughs> And we're, gonna, didn't make we're, it not, we're not going to leave all of this in. <laughs> Nigel said it was there. But yeah, it's you know, <clears throat> it, it seems crazy that businesses would exclude a potential significant market share. I think there's um, you know, there's reports by uh, Lloyd's Bank regarding um, accessibility issues and the sort of the, the millions of pounds of um, opportunity that's been missed because of that. Absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. So keywords. Yes. Let's start with that. What's yes. the difference between primary, secondary, this tertiary? What what are they? Well, what is it all about? Where do you start? If we just go back to the one page, one theme, and let's talk about, say, bikes or bicycles. Or we could talk about firelighters <laughs> no, if you I like. No, I think we've exhausted. I think we're done with firelighters, <laughs> aren't we? Let's, let's just talk about bikes and bicycles. Then. Yep. So if you've got a website and um, it sells bikes or bicycles, then your primary keyword is going to be one of those two terms. Um, whether it's bike bikes or bicycles will depend on the search volume. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to try and find out whether bikes, bicycles or bike, well, let's exclude bike because it's just singular because nobody's going to search for a bike if they're searching for a bicycle or bicycles. Mm -hmm. So let's say they want to search for bicycles. Right, okay. Well, many people are going to search for rally bicycles or mountain bikes or whatever, but let's just stick to the term bicycles. So bicycles or bikes, that's going to be your primary keyword. Let's just assume that you've written this huge article about bikes or that's um, you've got a website selling bikes. You'll need to know whether bikes or bicycles um, is uh, bikes or bicycles is the most important Productive. keyword. Yeah. That's your primary keyword, right? Bikes or bicycles. So how do we find out what the primary keyword needs to be? We need to find out how many searches are enacted upon uh, on Google every month. And there are ways of finding the, that information. So there are various tools that you can use to find out the search volumes per keyword. Some people just go to AdWords because they're running an AdWords campaign mm -hmm. and they'll go and search and they'll you can find out how many searches are done uh, through pay-per-click for that search term. So you can use those tools that you would then typically use in pay-per-click but then actually deploy that in an you SEO can, strategy. You, you can, but don't just stick to Google AdWords because yeah. Google AdWords is only going to give you the sort of pay-per-click volumes. Okay. And you need to know what uh, organically Organic. people are searching for. And the way to find um, the organic search volumes, you can use a tool called Keyword Everywhere, which basically you can install into a Chrome browser. And just by searching um, in the Google toolbar for any search term, it will give you the number of searches per month. Okay. So let's say that... In, a, in the whole world? Uh, in the UK. 
or, okay. or where, where you're actually searching. Okay, where your you're region, searching. Yeah, yeah, wherever, or yeah. your town. In the UK, it yeah. will be the UK. Okay. 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 So you search for bikes, and let's say it has ten thousand searches per month. Yeah. Okay. Great. Oh, that's something to go at. Ten thousand. Fifty's nothing. Should I build a website and fifty searches? No. Bikes. Okay. And you'll probably find it's fifty thousand or something like that. And I haven't looked, but okay. Now I'll have a look at bicycles. Oh, it's only five thousand. Right. So what's my primary keyword going to be? Bikes. Bikes. Okay. Now we've got our primary keyword. Now. Um, if you're into niche marketing and your bikes are of, of, of a specific nature, let's say... Um, this is going to test us, I. Yeah, specific types of mountain bikes. Trail bikes or something like that. Yep. Yeah, specialised or internal That's pages. That's brand, isn't it? Trail bikes? No, yeah, bikes, trail bikes are going yeah. on trail or mountain bikes or something yeah. like that. Then, of course, you know, let's say the website's about bikes, but you've got a page about mountain bikes. And, of course, the keywords, primary keywords, going to be... Mountain bikes. Can a primary keyword be two words? Of course, a phrase, a keyword or a phrase. Okay. So, for example, I think I said in the presentation that we worked with a, a log cabin business and they wanted a page that said Manchester log cabins. So his primary keyword is three. Mm. It was a short key okay. phrase, yeah. Manchester log cabins, and that's perfectly okay. But the secondary keyword should be a close synonym or a category or something that's very similar. Would so the actually, second one be log cabins? Well, no, no, you, you're kind of repeating the log oh, cabins okay. thing. So take the bikes. Well, yeah. then the secondary keyword could be bicycles, couldn't it? Summer because you're actually, you're actually covering off two things, Yeah, you know? Um, so, and then I always say, put the company name at the end. Or if you want to use a, th a tertiary keyword, then use that. So, you know, it might be um, bikes, bicycles, Nigel's bike shop. <laughs> so actually, yeah. you've got bikes, bicycles and bike in there. Yeah. And, you know, isn't that quite a nice selection of keywords? You keep it to 65 to 70 characters. If you make it longer than that, you'll see three dots at the end um, in Google search. That's called an ellipsis, of course, the three dots. Um, just means it's too long. Okay. Um, so the reason it's between 65 and 70 characters is because some characters have more pixels than others. Okay. And I think it's 580-something pixels, and so a W is more pixels than an I or a capital L. Aha. And therefore, you will you will see a recommendation of using between 60 and 70 or 65 yeah. and 70. Depending on what letters Including you spaces, depending on letters. And this is yeah. a little bit of confusion there. But you don't really want to see three dots at the end of a title in search or mm. a description in search because it just infers that it's too long. Yeah. It's fascinating that they would go down to that, you know, the, the pixels well, in the letters. There has to be a certain width yeah. that's allowable within Google. And, of course, if the letters are too wide mm. and it's the World Wide Web, of course, as opposed to, <laughs> you know, ice lollies in Indianapolis. Tim Berners-Lee, why did you pick <laughs> WWW? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so primary keyword, secondary keyword, and it goes through the whole website. So every single page of the website needs keyword research to identify what the primary keyword, mm. the secondary keyword, and if there's a tertiary or you use a company name. Yeah, you have to actually work out what you want that page to be doing. Absolutely. And then look at the keywords that perform best. The buzzword And then is... write the content that brings those two together. Correct. For the, the user. Yeah. Which ultimately then Google can translate. Yes. The, the, the buzzword is satisfying user intent. It's overused, mm. but it's basically correct in that you are serving the appropriate, the most appropriate content to the searcher. Because that increases dwell time, that satisfies what the person's searching for. 
Now, you've created a, a, quite a unique tool to help people visualise this, and you shared it with us at that Have, workshop. Do you want to we'll try um, and talk through it on an audio basis? Yeah, um, originally called the Keyword Wheel, which has now been shortened to the Key Wheel. Um, it's a series of concentric circles. So we have a circle in the middle, which uh, is used to define your primary keyword. If you imagine a concentric circle on the outside and the gap between the two, your secondary keywords, and then a third uh, concentric circle on the outside, which can contain tertiary or baby architects. Terms Sorry, can you just explain the word tertiary? Third. Okay, that's fine. Why did I not just use third Primary, keyword? secondary, tertiary. It's just, sorry. Google. Just use um, third. Third, third. Okay. Third level. Okay. Secondary, primary, so secondary, least tertiary. Important. Yeah, the, the, yeah okay. the, the, the third important, okay. if you like. So that's what it looks like. I think you've done a pretty good job there describing it. Yeah, but a series of concentric circles. So if we were going to try and uh, create a web page about bikes and bicycles, our primary keyword would sit in the centre of this key wheel. And um, so in, so you'd have a circle and in the middle it would say bikes or bicycles, whichever we wanted to go. I think we've established that that's going to be bikes. On the second level, you'd put bicycles and you may even go uh, types of bicycles like um, racing bikes, trail bikes, mountain bikes and all of those types of bicycles, even brands like Rally and Claude Butler or whatever Whatever modern, I don't cycle, so no. <laughs> whatever. I, I couldn't even tell you the brand of my own bike. No, no. It's sitting downstairs. <laughs> um, uh, and then on the third level, the tertiary keywords, we would we would start to introduce things like bike frames, um, handlebars, spokes, wheels, etc. Stuff to do. So, so those are the kind of tertiary keywords, the third level keywords mm. or uh, baby anchor text, the anchor text that you would place on a page to support the secondary and ultimately the primary keyword. Now, of course, you don't want to start repeating words. So you would avoid using mountain bikes with bikes. You know, you could end up having bikes repeated 50 times in 300 words of text, which is a disaster because, you know, that's it's called keyword stuffing. So you don't want to overdo it. What is the kind of optimum? Well, they say between 3 and 5%, but you know what? I've been laughed at for su- suggesting that there's any form of keyword density that Google um, ad- adheres to and sticks to. Okay. It's more about being inventive over the, the contextuality of what's written as opposed to the number of times your particular primary keyword sits within the text. Mm. So, for example, it goes back to the Manchester Log Cabins thing, well, of course, Manchester Log Cabins being that primary key phrase on that page contains the the, the phrase Log Cabins as well. Mm. So it, you, you could argue that you're stuffing the page with the term Log Cabins. But if you put Manchester Log Cabins, you know, within the text, you're actually defining that that is the, the key phrase. Mm. Um, and, and Google is intuitive enough to link those words together to yeah. create these key phrases. So you would do that key wheel, repeat it for each of the pages that you would... I uh, absolutely would. And I would sit using keyword anywhere. You need to find a source um, for keyword research. Um, professionals use um, tools like moz.com because they have a keyword explorer in there. Um, and you can look at search volumes. You can look at the click-through rate. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't speak about that earlier on, but one of the ranking factors is the click-through rate. So if there is... Um, a result within uh, Google search and we're searching for bicycles and one site gets a higher click-through rate than uh, another one, then that's used as a ranking factor as well, the better the click-through rate. So yeah. so that brings us neatly on to descriptions. 
because um, the description within your meta title. So is that the bit that you can see on Google? Yeah, yeah. So I do a search for bicycles and it presents the results to me and I can see the first line, which is the bit underlined with blue, which is the meta title. Yes. And then there's a little tiny bit of like a couple of lines underneath it. That's the description. That's your meta description and that's placed within the code as well. Um, there are various tools. If you're using WordPress, you can use um, SEO tools like Yoast or SEO Press, and you can actually put those titles and descriptions on every single page. So, uh, yeah, the description needs to be 140 uh, characters uh, long, including spaces. So you don't get any dots. So you don't get the ellipses, <laughs> the three dots at the end. Um, and the meta title, uh, sorry, the meta description, although it's not a ranking factor per se, uh, the fact that it can be used as a call to action and encourage people to click on the page mm. will increase CTR, click-through rate. And by increasing click-through rate, you're getting more then... visitors to your website than the one below you. So really, if you, so if you just got a, a meta description that says, we sell bikes and we are based in Manchester mm-hmm. in the northern quarter and our shop is on the left side of the street, that's like okay, but if I say we sell the, the lowest, the lowest price, the best, yeah. you know, get your biggest discounts here today, blah buy, blah blah. Buy online today, get free <laughs> delivery, yeah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. A great call to action. You're probably more likely to click on that one, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so the click through rate is going to be higher, um, and the, the 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 website usage as a result, people moving through the, the site is is great. Great for Google because it can it can follow yeah. you know the pages that are being used. So the description on its own isn't a ranking factor, it's not but a the ranking factor. performance of it absolutely is. Yeah, okay. yeah, and then people get confused because they see they type in you know Manchester bicycles for example, and they'll see in the description that that that, that, that phrase is bolded, and they'll think, oh, that's really important. Well, yeah, it is important to have the keywords in the description. But that's not a ranking factor. The fact that it's bolded mm. is great because it it actually increases, it can increase uh, this, the click-through rate because it's more visible. Yeah. So if, you've, if you're going to write, to, to write a great description, you should include some keywords. Not because they're ranking, yeah. a ranking factor, but because they'll be bolded. People will see them more readily and mm. be more likely. As long as it click. makes sense. Absolutely. Because, like, I would, if I put in Manchester Bicycles and it yeah. presented it, even if it didn't say Manchester Bi- Bicycles in the description, if it, I would presume that Google has re- recognised my location and knows what I'm looking for and yeah. that it's presenting it to me because yeah. it is in their website. So I, don't, I, I will click through to find it. Absolutely if correct. If the description is, yeah. resonates with that. And, and there's an important point here as well because the description being a call to action is interesting because you can use superlatives within the description. And Google will not discriminate against you for saying lowest price, best price, best bikes. And of course, if you know anything about pay-per-click or Google ads, you can't put superlatives in the ads. You can't say within a text ad within Google ads, we are the cheapest in Manchester. We are the lowest price. We are the best because your ad will be disqualified. Because you're not telling the truth. Uh, just Google just doesn't allow superlatives. Okay. But you can put superlatives in your description. And so you will see ads at the top of the page, which Google now has a little ad mm-hmm. uh, logo next to it. Um, and none of those will have superlatives, but the organic results will. Say whatever they want. Yep. Nice. Now, 
We're yeah. moving into <laughs> new technology land, and I've yeah. just had multiple um, calls to this effect on my watch. Yeah. Um, voice search. Yeah. How does SEO work for voice search? Where is this a whole new, entirely new landscape that? It, well, it is and it isn't. Um, the easiest thing to say is, oh yeah, voice people ask questions. Um, and therefore you have to change all your web pages because suddenly you're going to have to answer a load of questions. People have always asked questions. People have always typed into Google, where is my nearest? Mm. Where is my local? Where can I buy a pizza in, in Alteringham? Where can I buy a bike in Manchester? Um, what are... Um, um, what are Rockport shoes made from? Yeah. Questions. People have been asking questions ad infinitum since the beginning of, of search and AltaVista, Yahoo and, and original search engines. Voice hasn't really changed the landscape in that respect because the same questions are being asked. They may be more hyperlocal. In fact, you're more likely to ask questions on voice search because you would be like, Alexa, tell me this. Yeah, you but, wouldn't just go, Alexa, bikes. No, <laughs> no but things like Alexa... Um, those questions tend to be answered straight away. They don't take you to a website to answer the question. Yeah. True. So you'll find that Google now, with the rich snippets at the top of search results, is actually presenting information in such a way that there isn't the need to click to provide a click through to the website. And I I put a uh, an example of this in the presentation about yoga positions, for example. What are the top ten yoga positions? And Rather than just present a list of websites you can click through to, mm -hmm. the rich snippet at the top of the page, the featured snippet, sorry, the featured snippet showed uh, 10, the top 10 yoga positions. And then at the very bottom... Click through if you want to know more. Click through if you want to see yeah. more. But 90% of people are going to go, oh, that's quite interesting. So... How does that, that help the company, though? It doesn't, does it? <laughs> it doesn't necessarily provide a click through to a website. but it And, and in a way... By Google taking these featured, featured snippets and putting them at the top of search, they're kind of doing a disservice to those people who have created that content. Now, Because they're creating it in their blogs, I presume, on their sites. To on their websites. And, yeah. To, yeah, to try and get people to click through to the page. And of course, people are going to click through to the page because nobody's, not everybody is just going to search, show me the top 10 best yoga positions. There will be lots of versions of that, that question. And therefore, there will be a list of websites that are featured. There, is, there will be a top 10 with a link below it. And of course, it's going to increase clicks through to that website. But it's not the be all and end all. And um, because Google will now either take the results from the website and put them at the top or consolidate results from a couple of different websites, it doesn't automatically mean that you're going to get visits to your website because you've answered that question. But it's a very good reason to still do it. Yeah. So my reaction to that is that the fact that you can now voice search hasn't really changed the landscape. It's simply um, crystallised the way in which Google actually presents the, uh, the answers to those questions. And there's techniques and tools that as business owners who are building their sites can actually deploy to yeah. even understand that aspect because that's different to SEO again, isn't it? Kind of. Um, the fact that Google produces a top 10 is not, is not is like I said, it's not the be-all and end-all. Mm. It's not the only way of presenting the results. And very often, if you said, okay, what are Rockport shoes made from? There will be a single result there. It, you've answered, and there, there yeah. will be a website that answers that particular question. Um, and 
there are resources to go to to try and help you um, develop, say, a list of questions surrounding your product. So let's say we go back to the bicycle problem or the bicycle page. Um, you, there's a website called Answer the Public. And if you go to Answer the Public and you type in mountain bikes, for example, yeah, you will be presented with a, a rather burly man jumping up and down with a, a, a long <laughs> beard like a 70-year-old a hipster <laughs> looking like he's going to punch he you. Your <laughs> <laughs> looking like he's going to punch you out, the, uh, out of the screen. Um, and you can type in there, um, say, mountain bikes, mm-hmm. and it will give you all of the most commonly asked questions surrounding that key phrase. Okay. So mountain bikes. Where can I buy mountain bikes? What are mountain bikes made from? Are mountain bikes good for mud or whatever, you know? And, and the whole subject of mountain bikes in question form will be covered. And it's the same way if you type in, say, Rockport Shoes or something like that. Where can I buy? What are they made from? Are they made in the Far East? Yeah. You know, where are they made? Et cetera, et cetera. What is the lining? Do, uh, are Rockport shoes good for school? All sorts of questions. Yeah. And answer the public will trawl the web for the most frequently asked questions and produce a kind of um, schematic of all of these questions in, ver- in, in a couple of wheels. Yeah. Um, and the I've length, seen it. It's, cra- it's, it's crazy. Look at it's it. amazing, it's isn't really it? It's amazing, isn't it? Really fascinating. Yeah. 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 So go to answer the public, type in whatever you sell, and try and answer the most frequently asked questions. So like write blogs around it. So um, if I... or, or incorporate the answers onto the product page, for example. Okay. Say, say you're, you're selling uh, Rockport shoes, for example. Yeah. Um, and if you're writing your 300-word description about Rockport shoes, you might add to the bottom another couple of hundred words, which says, which, and it might say, where are Rockport shoes made? What push shoes and boots are made in China? Okay, so you just do and like a, and then answer know, the question. Fat, fun facts. Yeah, or yeah. if you're writing a blog post, for example, um, and let's go to the top ten yoga positions because it's easy and we've covered that. What are the top ten yoga positions? Mm-hmm. And then say, well, the lotus position is this. Da 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 da. da. Have a picture, you know, yeah. and how to and the, the, describe how to do it. Um, if you answer those questions on a blog page or a brand page a category page, or even a product page, then, of course, that will enhance that page. If somebody is searching for that, where are Rockport shoes made, and you've answered that question, then that's likely to be um, higher up in search than somebody that hadn't answered that question or just a general page about Rockport shoes. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, I think I probably went into this podcast um, wondering, is there a silver bullet for SEO? But it sounds like it's a whole bunch of lead bullets. Um, Yeah. So I don't yeah. know whether the next question that I have for you has an answer, but mm. is there such a thing as how to create, the, maybe I should Google it, ask the public <laughs> how to create the perfect meta title and meta description? Is there a process that people can the process. follow? I'm just thinking about the, you know, yeah. we've had like, for example, we've had a bunch of entrepreneurs in here recently um, mm. who don't have websites, who don't have budgets to build their own. So we've been showing them how to build their own WordPress websites yeah um but this is you know how can they then deploy some of this type of thing into which is just that what they're writing on their pages is as important as the pages they're writing um the most important thing that you have is your own brain okay and if you've set up a business and let's say it's online and you've researched that business then nobody knows the theme of that business or uh the context of that business better than you do 
So if I was trying to create a set of keywords or, uh, to uh, populate my meta title, I would just sit down with a blank piece of paper and draw three circles and put the most important thing that I want to convey in the middle circle and then just be creative. Try and write a sentence that includes let, that. Let, no, 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 no. Let my mind wander and okay. fill in the concentric circles first and then stand back, look and say, right, okay, there's my primary keyword, there's my secondary keyword, here are the tertiary keywords and some baby anchor text that I can populate the contextual, the contextually written uh, content with. Um, and that's what I would do. I would sit down quietly and try and work out what those keywords need to be and then I would back it up with some keyword research. Mm. Keyword everywhere is free. You can go to... Keyword Cro everywhere. Everywhere is free. You can search for it in, um, in the Chrome store and you can... Um, add it to Chrome, mm -hmm. and every time you search, you just go to a normal Google um, page and just start to uh, back up what you've thought are the, are the most yeah. common keywords per You've gone with your instinct based on start your knowledge. Start with your brain. That's yeah. the thing. It's the most precious thing you have. Start with your brain and your own intuition because nobody knows your business better than you do unless you're just entering a completely new market <laughs> you know nothing about, uh, in which, term, in which uh, you're going to have to use keyword research then as, as the primary resource. But the primary resource for somebody that's in business is their own brain. Use it and, um, yeah, uh, be creative. Um, and, you know, if you, can, if you can intersperse the text with some long-tail keywords that maybe other people haven't thought of, you know, mm -hmm. um, Rockport Boots for School or something like that, you know, and actually people do search for those terms and you'll yeah. find them with keyword everywhere. I think it's like there's so many unique searches on Google every single Absolutely. day. Absolutely. Billions and billions. But keyword everywhere won't just give you the volume for the particular keyword or phrase that you type in, it will give you a series of related phrases okay. in the right-hand column. So you can go through all of those. So if you type in Rockport Boots for School, it might even give you the names of the products or, mm -hmm. you know, the particular um, uh, uh, anti-slip sole or lining or something like yeah. that that's appropriate to that search. And it will give you the volumes as well. So I think that we've talked a lot about best practice and um, you have touched upon some poor practice, uh, which is, was about the duplicate, yeah, oh, the yeah. duplicating yeah. the meta titles. Yeah. But what are the, sort of the most common and worst mistakes that you've the seen? The worst mistakes I've seen is um, not just duplicating meta titles, but duplicating whole pages. Um, now, let's say that you've got uh, two pages that ostensibly do the same job. Um but you actually need both of them. And let's say that you're talking about, I don't know, Rockport Shoes for School, okay? Mm -hmm. And then you do a blog post about Rockport Shoes for School. It's one of the common mistakes is that you've got a product page, which is, or a category page, mm -hmm. Rockport School Shoes, and then you, you'll write this blog post about, oh, these uh, Rockport shoes are perfect for school and you end up with the same Competing. meta title <laughs> and the two pages kill each other because there isn't a penalty for having duplication on a website. But the problem is that Google won't understand which one of those two pages you actually want to rank for what it perceives to be the primary keyword. And maybe you've actually used Rockport school shoes as the primary keyword for both of these pages. Mm. So what do you do? Well, you can actually delete one of them. Well, I don't want to do that because that's a blog post. It's really great. Okay. Well, you can canonicalize. 
So you could actually... Okay, explain canonicalize. Well, say you've got two pages and one is Rockport shoes for school and one is uh, Rockport school shoes. You might actually just accept that the the visitor to your website can still find the inline category page or product page, but would also want to read the blog. Now, the fact that the content is very, very similar because on one page you're describing the products, on another one you're describing the best products, but actually they do the same job. You could actually canonicalize those two pages if they're but very, very similar. What is canonicalizing? Well, canonicalizing is placing a tag on one page to say that this is actually the other page. Okay. So, so it would mean that the so the linky things that you were saying, yeah, Google you, can you, see you, the picture. It, it effectively links the two together, but it or Google Google would only rank the inline page and wouldn't rank the blog page. So that would fall yeah. away because on the blog page you would put a canonical tag with the URL of the inline page, and one page would fall away. It's used most commonly in faceted navigation where you can access um, two versions of a page through different URLs on a website. So on some websites, you might see shoes slash Rockport school shoes. Another one, you might say uh, school slash uh, school shoes Rockport, something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're essentially the same page, Um, and you would canonicalize one to the other, so Google would only rank one of them. Okay. Once you take away the competing page, the remaining page rises. So duplicating content is so duplicate not good. content is the worst thing you can do on your <laughs> website. One page, one theme. That's yeah. where we started. That's where we started. Well, and that was a bit of a garbled description, but basically, yeah. through faceted navigation, you can find two versions of the yeah. same page. You don't have to do two different it. URLs. Yeah. 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 That sounds like a great top tip to to start up uh, start off wrapping up um, our conversation this yeah. afternoon, which is one page, one theme, one thing. It's the biggest thing. It's the biggest thing, and a web developer won't do that for you. A web developer will produce a beautiful website with fantastic imagery. Ninety percent of the time, the images are too large. <laughs> I was a customer this morning, and the homepage images were three megabytes each. Image. And what should they be? Uh, below one fifty k would be nice. Okay, a hundred would be perfect. And you actually find that if you change a a PNG file to a JPEG file, it can go from three megabytes to 150K and you wouldn't even notice the difference, particularly on a mobile phone. I have a funny story about trying to apply for first dates, but I'll (laughs) trying to get a picture down to one meg. Um, (laughs) What other, so top tips, make sure your your pictures are are small enough, um, one page, one theme. Um, fast loading website fast loading if your website you've done everything and there are various tools you can use particularly on wordpress websites to make them quick the problem with wordpress is that all the plugins tend to have a lot of javascript and they tend to slow uh the load of the website down okay and and so there are various um tools that you can use like w3 cache and total cache and they have they can minify uh, the html they can compress the scripts and they can make everything load quicker Mm-hmm. So let's say that you've made your images really, really small, under under 100K. You've used caching and you've minified the scripts and you've uh, combined some of the JavaScripts together so that and you've um, uh, this, this something called lazy loading on the images so they don't all load at the same time. Yeah. Because uh, And so the images below the fold can load a little bit later. All of these little tricks will speed up the website, but let's say it's still slow. Yeah. What do you well, do then? Um, host with the UK fast, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Go get so a quick hosting, server. Yeah. Hosting, is, a hosting is really, really important because, of course, if you've explored <coughs> all of the options to speed up your web page or your website and the site's still slow, then it, the problem is hosting. 
Um, and you can see that because you can go to a site called Pingdom or GT Metrics or simply go to Google Speed Insights, type in your URL and see how, uh, how long it takes to load. And if you've made all of the improvements that you possibly can um, through caching and minification and images and everything else, and it's still slow, then it's probably the server response time. And that's the time to go, well, actually, we need to find a new hosting company or there's no point in continuing down the road of a shared server because there's 100 websites. There's probably 100 websites on this server. We need our own server. Mm. And you know, you, you know more than anybody um, that having a dedicated server is the quickest way to speeding up a website. It's just the cost. I actually approach the um, speed at the very start of a project um, because if I'm working on a website and doing a search engine optimization for it um, and it's re- loading slowly, it's the difference between spending an hour doing two or three pages or yeah. 10, 15, 10 minutes. Yeah, you know? go and have a quick look at that. Yeah. <clears throat> look at the speed of the site. Yeah, so the important thing, the first thing I do when I do a, an SEO audit is look at the speed of a website Yeah, because it's so important. And it's so important if you're starting to work on a website, you're creating any content or changing the meta tags or doing any other technical improvements, it's important to have a fast-loading website. So further places that um, we can go and learn more about SEO, where would you recommend that we go to stuff our heads full of SEO rather than stuff our pages full of keywords? If I was starting again, um, and actually when I did start, uh, well, not started, but really started to get serious about it. Um, SEO. I went to moz.com, M-O-Z.com. Um, and there was a guy that left last year called Rand Fishkin. Okay. Who is the guru. He's going to get away thousands of LinkedIn requests. He is the guru, Rand Fishkin. Um, and he started moz.com. I don't, I think it was about eight, nine years ago, something like that. He actually started it with his mother. Um, but he's, he's since left Moz. Um, as the principal SEO guru uh, to launch another business. He's still a, a, a director. He's still on the board at Moz. If you go to moz.com, Whiteboard Friday, you'll see you'll find a series of really, really useful videos. The fact that they started in 2010, 2011, 12, it doesn't matter. A lot of the information that they've kept there is absolutely pertinent to this day. And if you really just, just follow those videos, five, ten minutes long, it will show you how to write meta tags, how to think about page content, look at speed, look at internal linking, backlinks. We didn't mention backlinks as a ranking factor, but of course they're very important. Yeah. Um, the things you forget. Um, and, and it will tell you best practice on all of these things. And if if all you do is just sit and watch Moz video after Moz video on Whiteboard Friday, yeah. um, it will really, really serve Improve you well. Knowledge. There are other resources Ahrefs, quite important. Some people like Neil Patel. Um, he's quite good in the general area of digital marketing. He also has a keyword tool, which uh, the name escapes me. Um, but there are resources out there. The major companies that provide the tools that SEO people like me use, like Moz.com, mm-hmm. Ahrefs, and SEM Rush as well. They have their own internal forums. Um, and there are various Facebook groups. There are SEO um, advice sites. We run one called uh, SEO Help and Advice. There's SEO White Hat um, on on Facebook, which is very uh, okay. useful. Uh, White Hat being the right way of doing SEO. Black Hat 
being yes, the wrong way of doing SEO. Through these dark arts we yes. had AJ and Gray Andy Rowan. She told us about oh, really? the dark arts. Yeah, there are dark and not arts. Not to not to practice them. I would veer away from it. It's called grey hat or black hat. You'll hear people using things like private business networks, PBNs, to get backlinks. Um, paying for backlinks is getting more and yes, more. She said that was very bad. Dodgy now, but people still do it. People still do it, and for a time they get away with it. Um, but Google is tightening its algorithms, um, not daily, but maybe monthly. There was an update in March. There was another update in June. Um, and Google is continually clamping down on grey and black hat techniques. So as um, the guy from um, whose name <laughs> escapes me, Muller, as, as the main search engineer from Google said, just be awesome. Just be awesome. That's what Google wants. It wants you to be awesome. And what it means by that is it just wants pages that have been written for the user that are really, really useful and haven't just been created to get um, a search engine position. And that's all, really. Um, but if you can help your website by shoving it along the way and improving the content, you know, that's the best way of getting to the top. So just be great and be the best at what you do. Being awesome, I think that's a Being great awesome. place to, yeah. to stop. Probably stop, yeah. There are skyscraper techniques where you go and find a piece of content, better it. <laughs> <laughs> so find a, a blog post about bicycles or whatever your chosen subject is, find out what the top three results are, take them and make, take the top one, and if that's 10,000 words, yeah. make yours 15,000 words <laughs> with better content, better images, better video, yeah. and a great meta. You know, Great way anyway. to find a business idea, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have thoroughly enjoyed this chat. Um, fascinating. Lots of tools and resources for even somebody like myself to go and better understand it. I'm on that project at the minute where we're redeveloping our website and working with content editors and our developers. So yeah. uh, sounds like I need to better equip myself with the, um, the ins and outs of it because I know uh, Tech Manchester probably better than anybody else. <laughs> um and we hope that that has helped you in terms of your own journey with your own sites, whether you're at the beginning of that or whether you have um, a website and you want to see, find out ways how it's performing, if it's not performing well, um, how to improve that and ultimately convert more more leads at a, at a lower cost um, to conversion, which ultimately that will give us all a better night's sleep. Thank you. Present life to feel fine.